0: We're back for another episode of 3 to 1 Radio. Shiloh?
1: That is like the most boring intro I think you've ever said in my entire <laughs> life. <laughs> like, well,
0: you were dancing right before, so I was like, well, I'll bring it down a notch. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, uh, I don't want him to be, get too crazy. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. But welcome back, folks. Um, I'm, I'm hoping that everybody was itching and a-scratching to hear our voices on the third uh, Wednesday of this month, um, July.
1: And did you know that we talked, we uh, gave them a little um, pokes last time and said, hey, we have a surprise for uh, this uh, show. I remember that. Yeah. And do you want to know what the surprise is? I'm dying to find out. Well, you know, there's this amazing group called Evergreen Treatment, and they do this crazy thing called methadone. Is that like cotton candy? It is if you want to recover from um, opiate addiction. Okay, okay. All right. Um, and so it's a lot like cotton candy for opiate addiction. Um, so uh, most people don't realize that we used to have a methadone clinic in the U District. Did you know that? I a
0: little birdie had told me that, but I didn't necessarily believe it. So when was that clinic? That so was in the 70s. Okay, before I was born, everybody. Yeah, before
1: you were born. <laughs> um, and so um, we have... wonderful quite sexy methadone fairy here um yeah to talk around the methadone program in the u district and trust me you for everyone listening i am truly ecstatic um to finally get methadone back in this neighborhood um for folks who have been advocating for treatment um And, you know, folks who've heard, you know, a lot of our messaging out there and, you know, talked about, you know, how I cried the first time we got um, suboxone because a generation of drug users were going to have access to treatment. And it
0: it was also one of the recommendations from the uh, task force, correct? It
1: was. Yeah. Um, And, you know, like we talked about treatment on demand means like, you know, when you need treatment, you get treatment. And I think the really some of the important things is to have lots of different options. So I think for your listeners to start with, before we even get into this, is I think it's important that there's no one way to recover, right? There are many different ways to recover. And, you know, sometimes recovery means um, I smoke ganja, right, instead of the thing that has become problematic for my life, right? That can be a form of recovery, right? Other people, yoga, it's their form of recovery. They do yoga now. And others do 12-step programs, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, acupuncture. Acupuncture. And some people do methadone. 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 methadone.
0: So we are so honored this mm-hmm. evening to have Sean Soth here with us from Evergreen Treatment Services. And, Sean, welcome. Welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you. Glad to be here. Um, so tell us, uh, wh- wh- who are you? What do you do at Evergreen? And what is Evergreen for folks that don't know? Is Evergreen like trees? It's like trees?
2: Well, Evergreen is a tree, yes. Uh, <laughs> and a song we are from, a
0: a, from A Star is Born from the 70s. Really? Okay. Fun facts. Fun fact. Fun <laughs> yeah.
2: facts. Uh, so Evergreen Treatment Services, I'm the director of clinical services. And we have a couple lines of business. Um All of which is based around medication-assisted treatment. So we provide medication to folks who are dealing with an opioid use disorder.
1: And medication, are we talking just Suboxone, just Methadone? Is there any other medication that we're talking about? Isn't there one called um, Victrola
0: or um, Vivitrol? Vivitrol, that's the one.
2: Yes. So we provide buprenorphine and Methadone through what's called an opioid treatment program. And then we provide uh, buprenorphine and Vivitrol through what is commonly referred to as an OBOT, which is an office-based opioid treatment program.
0: So people need to come to an office to get it. Is that Yes. Okay. Yep. Um, folks, there's a little lull in the conversation. I'm so sorry, but one of our co-hosts, the lovely and talented Lisa, um, just came in um looking gorgeous as always hello lisa
3: a little sweaty um i heard your calls coming in the whole way here but unfortunately there was a crash in the tunnel so i was sitting in the hot hot tunnel on my motorcycle in leather just sweating so but here i am and i'm only seven minutes late
0: that's not bad and it's a great (laughs) visual for all of our listeners
3: yeah so uh hi (laughs) (laughs) so we were just
1: discussing um the we we have a methadone fairy here.
3: Yes. Hi. Hello. Hello. Nice yes, to meet yes, you. Yes. I know you. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> yes. From New Orleans, I believe. Didn't we hang out in New Orleans?
1: I
2: don't believe conference? so. No. Okay. Where do I know you from? I've never been to New Orleans, but. It wasn't one. It, of, okay. Or maybe I just don't remember. I think you look, it,
1: like, I think you look awesome, like someone.
0: Let's not My say all white danger. people look the same.
2: Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> but um,
0: you may have remembered Sean was here uh, for a community event a couple well, of like, month that. or so. Yes. 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 yes.
3: So no New Orleans. Okay. Well, fine.
2: Or I don't remember.
0: (laughs) Sean also um, moonlights as a model. So you may have seen some of his work um, up on billboards or in some of the magazines.
3: Nice. Love it. Yes. Love it. Big and tall. Yeah. and (laughs) uh, I I can just tell you the fairy
1: wings are pretty amazing. Are they? Yeah. So (laughs) um, circling back to what we had originally started. I always have to make it about me. I know. But that's why we
0: love you. That's why we love you. Um, But Sean was just getting into sort of the nitty gritty and the ABCs and the one, two, threes of methadone.
2: Yeah. So methadone's provided through an opioid treatment program. That's a a federal uh, designation for the type of treatment that we do. Um, it's extremely regulated, so there are a ton of barriers to methadone for folks, um, and we're doing our best to try to knock down some of those barriers, but because of the federal regulations, that becomes difficult at times.
1: So that's, an, that's a, a, a good point, and there's a lot of times people will criticize methadone um, clinics, um, and a lot of the policies that they have are written by the feds that, they, that you have no control over.
2: Yes, absolutely.
1: Um, and so, um, and you, uh, let's just like, talk about it. So if I was, if I came to your uh, clinic for the first time, and let's say I've, I've had an opiate habit for a couple years, mm-hmm. I uh, would like to get in recovery, I engage you, what's my experience like? What does it look like?
2: So for us, the, the first part of that is coming in, and seeing a, a medical provider. So there's also a ton of paperwork that you have to do, uh, sadly. But we do walk-ins uh, four days a week, so people can just walk in. Uh, you'll do a bunch of paperwork and then see a medical provider. Uh, and that the whole purpose of of that appointment is just to make sure that you're um, medically appropriate for the me- for the medication. Uh, and so they will take some time to to make sure that. One, you actually have an opioid use disorder, and two, that you're appropriate to dose. Uh, And when we talk about dosing, uh, that's providing a medication, which we do on a regular basis, six days a week. Uh, When somebody first comes in, they have to actually come to uh, our clinic and they receive a dose from a nurse um, six days a week. And then they get a take home on Sunday. And, now, and you can that, see that's one of the barriers I'm talking about.
0: Is that like a, a shot or a
2: pill? What no, does that look uh, like? It's just a, a liquid. So you get a small little cup, a little plastic cup with some pink juice, which comes back to you calling it uh, cotton candy, right? Nice. Yeah. So nice. it's, a little, it's a little. Look at that. Yeah, there you <laughs> go. So uh-huh. a little pink juice that you get. It you does not it, taste like cotton candy Do You I call hear. it
0: pank juice?
2: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so you just drink uh your dose on a daily basis. And um so
1: and you have, of course, because you know, lots of people have opiate disorders all throughout the county, you must have like forty locations all throughout the county <laughs> in right. every neighborhood because <laughs> every single neighborhood has has people using drugs in it.
2: That is true. Sadly, what's not true uh, is it's very difficult for us to get locations. So at this time in King County, we have two clinics. Uh, One is on Airport Way in the Soto District, and then we have a a clinic in Renton near Ikea.
0: That's so surprising for me to hear because what I have read in lots of different comments on different articles about different um, interventions or or things that... that, um, folks particularly my my friends uh, at the people's harm reduction alliance are trying to do you know it's all about like well we shouldn't be doing this we should be doing treatment we should be doing treatment on demand and treatment 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 so wouldn't neighborhoods embrace a treatment modality coming into their neighborhood
2: you know i i wish that was true yeah hmm it's a, is a good sound <laughs> looking at that. you lisa <laughs> you know i i'll speak to the fact that it's very difficult for us to to get locations set up. One is just the the federal regulations that go into that and the process, but the other side is that neighborhoods are are not typically welcoming of us, and a, a big part of that is they assume that we're going to bring the problem to them. And like you said, the the problem's already there, and um, so we're not bringing a problem, but. Because it becomes salient, people can see it in front of them when we're there. Um, we get blamed for that a lot of times within our industry, and so there's there's a lot of discrimination against our form of treatment because of that.
1: Yeah, and I think it's you know you know really when we talk about stigma, it's we give stigma to people who use drugs, right? And then we give them stigma for act, trying to access treatment, mm-hmm. right?
3: Especially if they're homeless. Yeah.
1: Especially, uh, um, <laughs> and, and so it's like, you know, I think one of the things that I've always felt is, like, we need to, like, we need to take a deep breath on this, like, hatred and this anger, right? People who are trying to access any form of treatment, we need to give them the best case scenario to su- be successful, right? And I can tell you that I have many friends um, who have gone to methadone, and it has been a life-changing experience. You know, I have other friends who it didn't work out for. But that doesn't make, like, that doesn't make methadone wrong and it doesn't make their search for treatment, like, wrong. It just means everyone's right. different is all, yeah. you know. Yeah. I mean. um, yeah, and so I think, you know, I, I'm i ecstatic to have the methadone clinic in the U District. I think it's a, a really great uh, thing. I think I know folks in the North End who are going to... Not have to drive to Airport Way to get to their job. You know, like I have a good friend who lives in North End who has to go out, drive to Airport Way, then go to his job downtown Seattle. Now he's going to go drive to the U District, which he's not that far from, and then go to downtown Seattle in the morning. Yeah. And just that his whole commute has changed, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and my only problem is he keeps calling me at eight in the morning and asking to get coffee. And I don't want to be up that early. <laughs> no, no, not morning people. Yeah. <laughs>
3: well, I am. <laughs> Come on, it's uh, like... I'm with you, Joe. It's 8 a.m., it's 9 a.m. At least yeah. it's not 5 a.m., you know? Like, because I think, what time does the Soto one, I think... I used to work next door to it. So. Yeah, so
2: we we open for dosing at five. Yeah, that's right. So yeah, we're we're definitely early morning folks in the mm-hmm. methadone business, largely because of what Shiloh's talking about. And in an attempt to make sure that we're meeting the needs of people that are working and utilizing this form of treatment, is important for us to have access for them, mm-hmm. and, and that is why uh, the mobile. Uh, medical unit has been so important for us to get out into the community is to to really try to drop barriers and and bring it to where people are at so that they don't have to try to get there you know your friend not having to drive as far is great and and I'm glad to hear that Uh, more for us are people that are are homeless or lack transportation Mm -hmm. access Um, that's the population that's even more important for us to connect to Uh, Because those are the folks that just aren't getting treatment because even though somebody with a car, it's a pain to get down there. Sure. um, For somebody that doesn't have access, they don't access treatment, period. And that's what we're really trying to get at.
0: Right. And if they don't have the bus fare or if they don't have an alarm clock or a phone that's charged that can set an alarm, then they'll miss appointments. And
3: And miss. Yeah. And so what happens if you miss a dose?
2: Um, well, if you miss enough of them, we have to we have to discharge the person from treatment. Um, and
1: is that a policy of yours or a policy of the federal government?
2: So, um, yes, is the answer to that. Uh, <laughs> yes, <laughs> very good. Because um, when we're talking about medication, we have to make sure that we are appropriately dosing folks. And so, yes, there's federal regulation around it, but there's also medical necessity around making sure that if somebody's missed too many doses, we don't know where their tolerance level is at, and, mm-hmm. and we don't want to participate in overdosing somebody. I,
1: I also think it's really important that when you talk about, like, um, methadone overdosing, right, the vast majority of that happens to, in a hospital with doctors prescribing it, not the methadone clinics.
2: Um. Yes, that's partly true, not necessarily in hospitals, but but, like when they but prescribe. the over yeah, the majority of methadone overdoses occur from folks that are getting prescribed methadone.
0: And do you get prescribed methadone from a hospital or a doctor for opiate use disorder or substance use disorder or for pain management? What is
2: Yeah, the only place that you can get methadone for substance use disorder is through an OTP. Like Evergreen Treatment Services, so the the medication that people are being prescribed uh, is for pain, and and methadone can be an effective pain management tool. I don't want to take away from that, um, but because of the way that it's prescribed, um, it's easily diverted, or or people can sell it and those kind of things, and so that that tends to be where most of that methadone comes from.
0: And when it's mm-hmm. prescribed, is it also in the cotton candy flavored liquid form or is it in pills or injections or what does that yeah. look like? Or are literally it... spreading
1: rumors about this cotton candy. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, it's not it's cotton, it's cotton candy. candy. <laughs> we don't flavor it. It though. does sound, uh, nice. it does sound yeah, Blueberry nice. cotton
3: yes. candy because I'm feeling like blueberry. <laughs> I was right. thinking
2: better. like strawberry pink. Mm, or no. Yeah, okay. that's the right color. Mm. Um, but no, when you're prescribed methadone, you get tablet form. Okay. So, like a like a Tylenol tablet type mm. of of look to it,
0: which would definitely be easier to to sell or give to
1: a friend. Exactly. Or, yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. I get that diversion piece.
1: So, if someone's on methadone, would you call that uh, someone accessing treatment? Yes. And and so it, um, I know a lot of people have problems with uh, medical assisted treatment, but really the most successful ways to um, support people who are on who are opiate addicted is a medical assisted treatment, correct?
2: That is correct. Yeah, we're definitely the gold standard in terms of of longevity of uh, folks in recovery, and um, and and that's largely based on on the medication intervention. You know, we we connect that intervention with um, with biopsycho counseling, right? So. Uh, psychosocial counseling, where uh, people are talking about what's going on and creating relapse prevention plans, and and doing those things that we traditionally think of as uh, substance use disorder treatment. Uh, but in this case, adding a medication that provides some stabilization for the person, reduces craving, uh, is definitely the gold standard. Uh, and and I just want to add that it's very important. With medication-assisted treatment, longevity is important, meaning people stay on the medication. And the longer they stay on that medication, the more successful they are in their recovery. And, and a lot of people seem to have the idea that the goal is to, to get off the medication, and that is not always the goal. A lot of times, uh, somebody sustaining that medication and using it for the rest of their life is really what helps them sustain their recovery.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think if you think of drug use in like, you know, there is stable drug use and chaotic drug use, I think the goal should always be to help as many people in chaos find stability, right? And so if you find a means to take a medication and able then to have a good job, have housing, have all these other services attacked and become an engaged part of society— Um, and I am not saying in any way that homeless people aren't an engaged part of society, but I'm just saying that, like, folk, if you had a choice between housed and unhoused, the vast majority of people will pick housed, right? Um, and so this is an ability for you to be able to be stable compared to the chaos, um, of addiction. And I think the other thing that I think is really important that your program does. That I wish more programs would do is add mental health services with that. I think the counseling is actually a really important part of this because uh, the more data comes out is around addiction. It comes from people who have who have had trauma, right? Um, we at the Exchange serve a lot of vets, for example, um, and telling a vet to get so sober and just buck up after their friend was blown up in front of them. It's kind of unreasonable and kind of unconscionable, right? And I think places like methadone clinics really can give you the counseling, has the expertise, and stabilizes you there. And I think it's important that you know, most people don't realize that you don't. if you've been there for 10 years, you don't necessarily have to have been the person coming in each day, right? Though so you'll start getting carries after you've been there a while, correct?
2: Yes. So over time, and again, this is a, a federally regulated part of the program, but over time, people uh, can earn uh, take-homes, and that's done through um, providing uh, negative UAs, uh, ear analysis, um, and then also showing up to appointments and dosing on a regular basis. So uh, there are some requirements around that through the feds uh, that allow people over time to, to get more freedom, if you will.
0: So when you say negative UAs, what does that mean? Negative urine analysis, negative... of uh...
2: So we test, um, and I may miss some of these, but we test for uh, amphetamines, cocaine, benzodiazepines, which is actually one of the most important things for us to know if somebody's using because of uh, an interaction with methadone. It's extremely dangerous. Um, we test for alcohol on a regular basis, um, and opiates, of course. So um, the primary, the primary thing we're looking for when we do a UA are, are medications that are going to medications or drugs that are going to to interact in a negative way with the medication we're providing. Uh, we want to make sure that the person is safe uh, and and not putting themselves at risk.
0: So it's not necessarily as a, a punitive measure, but more of a safety measure to make sure that somebody is not going to um, unintentionally overdose or or have some sort of adverse effect on the the medication.
2: Yeah, that's that's definitely the primary purpose for it. Uh, I, you know, I've worked in SUD treatment for a long time, and and UAs can provide substance a l- use disorder. Yes, sorry, <laughs> um, and I've done it for a long time, and and UAs play. a a really large role in in multiple areas of what we do Um, from, from an OTP perspective or an opioid treatment program perspective, the medical side of that is the most important from, from a counseling standpoint, it can tell us a lot about where the person's at and it can tell the person a lot about where they're at. And I think a lot of people think it's this negative connotation of, Oh, if you're, if you're having positive UAs, that's a horrible thing. And and for us, it's really about information. It just tells us where the person is. Um, and depending on what that person's goals are, it tells us if they're getting closer to those goals or not. Uh, and so it really is just information for us uh, that allows us to to work with a patient in terms of where they want to be in their recovery.
0: Okay.
2: In terms of the
0: other services, um, Shiloh and, and, and Sean also mentioned... Um, the uh, behavioral health components. So is that something that is uh, a requirement or it's just an, an add-on or a bonus? Like what, is, what does that look like? Again, if we're sort of thinking of like we're, we're new into treatment, what, what does this look like for us?
2: Yeah, so somebody new into treatment is required uh, to participate in counseling uh, and early in treatment, meaning the first 90 days, they're actually required to see a counselor weekly uh, and So there's a lot of contact, Uh, they're also required to do some groups, uh, some educational groups around uh, relapse prevention and uh, communicable disease uh, education, Uh, some of those things that are just really important to, to provide them with kind of protection, if you will, uh, or at least education around how to protect themselves. And, uh, and the counseling is really focused on what that individual wants. So our, our goal in counseling is, is really focused on the individual. And they get to direct that. Um, they have control of what a treatment plan looks like. And, and as counselors, our role is just to, to be there to support them, to be an advocate for them, uh, help them find resources if that's what they need. So you're,
1: you know, I think in a lot of things you're talking about this new, like treatment on demand is where the patient has the power.
2: Well, we definitely want the patient to be directing their treatment. There's, yeah. there's no doubt about that. And uh, treatment on demand is, is definitely just a piece of that. Trying to, to be there the moment somebody is ready, um, because we, we're very aware that. Um, this is a really hard decision for people to make. And substance use, um, like you said, most of these folks have severe trauma. Um, a lot of folks are homeless. They're, there's a lot going on in people's lives. And the substance use is a coping mechanism for a lot of our folks. And so uh, when they make a decision to give up a coping mechanism because they recognize that there's some, some negativity to that, that it, it's not helping in some way, Uh, we want to be there to, to hopefully give them other options. Um, And, and when they're ready for that, we want to be there.
3: Cool. Do you, so you offer counseling, you offer methadone, obviously. Is there anything else that you you all offer other than, I mean, is there like testing, anything like that, any sort of? Uh, we do some hep C
2: testing okay. and we're hoping to to increase the amount of that that we're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was actually some legislation passed recently that uh, the state yeah. of Washington does some amazing stuff. Um, and so we're going to get to actually hold medications for people in our dispensary, which uh, is incredible for some of our folks that have, um, you know, just trouble accessing um, treatment or maintaining a place to live right mm-hmm. and so yeah. if you're if you're really transient holding on a medication can be very difficult yeah for uh, sure. so we'll be able to hold some people's medications so for folks that uh, are on like hep c treatment which there's compliance is a very important piece of that treatment uh, they'll be able to take that medication with us uh, that's something awesome. we're working towards nice. and we should be able to to get there in the next few months so well, um, they can just there's some amazing take it stuff along you know, along with their other their medications medication, great, yeah. and
3: whatever else they need so it's just kind of becomes on that regimen and not missed and okay right and
2: our hope is to to continually increase what we can offer We know that uh, a majority of our patients and when I say that I mean over 50% of our patients are positive for hep C mm-hmm. uh, when they walk through our doors so that that's really a focus of ours just because of the number of patients we have impacted by that but we would love to be able to do that with, uh, HIV medications and, and you know any of those medications that are extremely important for compliance to be able to offer that is yeah. is something great. So that's something we're working towards. Uh, we have case managers uh, mm-hmm. and uh, we're trying to to build that program in terms of uh, offering folks uh, another option in terms of reaching out uh, and getting other services. Yeah, like so, housing. Yes. Um, <laughs> And, you know, REACH, the, the program sure, REACH, yeah. is a part of Evergreen Treatment Services, and, and they do uh, a lot of great work in terms of outreach into our community for folks that are chronically homeless. Uh, and they, they already work with our patients who are chronically homeless, uh, but we're trying to expand our REACH pun intended, yeah. I guess. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to the show. Yes. Yeah, so we're Did attempting it. to expand our reach in terms of the number of patients that we can provide those services to. Mm-hmm.
3: Cool.
0: And, and just to, to piggyback on that, in terms of reaching out to more people, so we've mentioned that you are moving into the the university district. Um, can you tell us what that looks like? So if if I were here living in the university district and, and I, I needed some... Methadone treatment, um, I could just walk up to the van and enroll right away, or is there a wait, or what does that look like? You know, Do I need so to we, be referred by somebody?
2: Uh, referral is not necessary, but it is very new, and so we're, we're slow rolling it. So okay. I'll kind of tell you where we're at and then where we're hoping to be, uh, just so people kind of understand. Right now, uh, we are simply allowing patients that are accessing treatment at our 1700 location to access treatment on the van. Um, so right now it's just patients that are, that are enrolled in our services. Uh, and the major reason for that is, is some, well, one is staffing. And two is uh, we haven't had a van out and servicing people for a while. So we want to make sure the technology is working and that we're not having issues before we, we load up. So, uh, right now, uh, that's what we're doing. So if somebody wants to access treatment today, uh, they would need to go down to 1700 and and get, treat, and get enrolled in treatment there. Um, soon to come, and when I say soon to come, we're hoping that this happens within the next couple months. Uh, we have a secondary van uh, that has a couple offices in it. So we'll have a medical provider as well as a counselor that, that follow uh, the mobile dispensary and those individuals will be doing on-site appointments and so folks uh, will be able to just show up and uh, access treatment our our goal is for that to be same day so they could actually uh, connect with the medical provider and be dosed on the medical unit that day
0: that idea of treatment on demand yes Mm -hmm. so when you when you say the van uh, the first thing that pops into my head, um, because I am a child of the the late seventies, early eighties, I think of the Mystery Machine from Scooby Doo. I knew you were gonna yes, say I that. Knew, I knew that. Is perfect. I knew is, it. Is is that what we should expect in the neighborhood, or, or what what is what does the van look and, like? And yes, and we, we thought
2: Side so. Eye was perfect <laughs> yeah. choice for us. We want to stand out in the yeah. crowd.
1: And if so, the Methadone um, Machine. How many talking dogs do you have? <laughs>
2: How many talking dogs? Um, <laughs> I'm going to stay away from commenting Speechless. on that. Speechless yes, on that thing. one. We finally got him. Um, <laughs> I like it. No, so um, <laughs> no. it is a nondescript van for a reason. I'll put it that With way. With or without a talking dog? No talking dog. Not yet. And, <laughs> and is the nondescript. But if you see a talking dog around the van, you might want to talk to us. <laughs> right, right. I was just
0: going to say is the nondescriptness, is that. Um, a way to sort of keep people's anonymity and, and privacy um, sort of in check, um, as well as also just sort of assimilating into the neighborhood that you're moving into.
2: Yeah, both of those are very true. Um, we we definitely want to protect people's anonymity, their confidentiality. Um, as much as possible, we we don't want to be breaking confidentiality for our patients. Right. And, and this type of treatment where it's literally street-based, um we have to be very careful with that. And so that that's a big part of it. Uh, we definitely don't want to be an eyesore for the neighborhood. So we we want to have a nice-looking van, but nondescript is best. That's so, how we do it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so um, I have two questions, uh, one of which, if any of our listeners um, listening to this has decided that methadone is the answer for them um, with this program, what would the first step be for them to get onto your program? And two, um, do you have a list of locations in uh, King County um, that they could be accessing? Like, we know there's a new one in the U District. Is there a new one possibly anywhere else? Um, and then, you know, so those are the kind of things, like logistically for our listeners um, who want access. And again, if you're listening to this program... Yeah years from now, um, we're in 2019 when we uh, had this <laughs> show. <laughs> so you know. <laughs>
2: yeah. So, you know, the first thing I'll say is, if you want to access treatment, one, um, come to 1700 Airport Way South. It's in the Soto district, um, and walk in Monday through Thursday. Uh, be there around seven o'clock, and and Good we'll morning. get you into treatment. Yes. Seven o'clock in the morning, uh, and we are looking at changing some some times because we realize that not everybody wants to be up at seven o'clock in the morning, especially when you don't feel good. Nobody. Oh, uh, so right. <laughs> so so we are trying to fix that. But for now, um, show up and and we'll get you into treatment. The other thing I would say is uh, reach out to the the people that you're already connected to. So if you're accessing. Uh, the People's Harm Reduction Alliance. Talk to them. They can definitely help you uh, connect with us. If if you're accessing the Needle Exchange through the Public Health District down in uh, the Belltown area, they will get you connected with us. Uh, so reach out to those folks that are around you. If you see anybody wearing a Reach logo, talk to them. They'll get you connected to us. Uh, so there's a, a lot of ways to do that. You can also find us online. And... To answer your other question, yes, we, we have a second location in Belltown um, near the Needle Exchange at the public health uh, department down there. So uh, Isn't that that's another by, place. is
0: that by a statue of a Popsicle?
2: <laughs> I believe so. <laughs>
0: I think it is. I think I was on a random sculpture tour I, I, a couple I, of weeks it's ago. It's a random. <laughs> yes. And I saw I, that
1: there's a Popsicle mm-hmm. sculpture. I thought yes. it was in honor of the syringe exchange. Popsicle <laughs> because it was so sweet and tasty. <laughs> <laughs> Circling back to the cotton well, candy. Yeah. I like I was that. Say, I like that. Now we're back to.
0: Yeah. Um, so is but, it yeah. the same sort of thing for the the belt your beltone location?
2: Yeah. Um, you have people a sash to... of popsicle. I do not <laughs> cotton candy. <laughs> no, but I feel like I need a sash of cotton candy now. It's gonna happen now. I, I think we're gonna. We're right. we we gonna make get stickers. you one.
1: By I the think end there's of gonna the be sticker of evergreen treatment.
3: Hank drink. <laughs> the,
1: the
2: feedback I get from this is don't call methadone cotton candy, Shane. I'm, I'm already hearing that.
3: Now we're gonna refer to it as cotton candy yes. every time we talk about.
0: It. I'm thinking instead Wait. of an evergreen tree as a logo, it could just be a pink swirly cotton candy stick thingy.
3: Excellent.
2: Yeah. Yes. Or, I've, re, I've rebranded evergreen. Yeah. I'm sure or, or love the nimbies
3: would love that. Or like, uh, like
2: a pink, or just
1: a a, a, a pink uh, juice little bottle. Oh, there you, you go. You know. Pink drank.
3: Yep. Pink drank.
1: Yeah.
3: Pink um, <laughs> He's like, you guys are going to get me in trouble yeah, now. This <laughs> is what's happening. I'm backing down. <laughs> the portion of the interview. I, I uh, am, away from the mic. You can't leave because I'm breaking. I'm just blocking the entrance. You're so, stuck. Um,
1: <laughs> I do want to, you know, one thing things i like to talk about, um, too, is, um, you know, it can be really life-changing for folks to access programs like yours, Um And, you know, do you have uh, any stories or any, you know, um, things you want to tell our listeners about, you know, some of the great positive things that can happen when people access uh,
2: your program? Yeah, and I'll tell stories about our program, but I I think it's important to point out that the stories aren't about our program. They're really about the people and about recovery and and just remembering that recovery is, is possible. And, and that happens through our program, and I love being a part of that, but uh, I think you alluded to this earlier, Shiloh, that that happens in so many ways um, that I don't want to take away from uh, people's recovery. But, you know, we have folks that have been at Evergreen Treatment Services for a matter of hours now to uh, upwards to 40 years in treatment. Wow. We have folks who have Access treatment, gone back to college, have become scientists. Uh, we have people that are um, working in public service. We have people who are counselors. We have people that um, are, are just across the board doing amazing things. We also have people that are are living homeless and surviving. And, and I think recognizing that 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 at at some level is an amazing feat and um, it talks a lot about somebody's uh, ability just to adapt. And that's what I love about the work I do, uh, is working with these people that have faced something that is just incredibly devastating. Uh, Most of the time when you end up at Evergreen Treatment Services, um, you're you're not real positive and, and life doesn't look very good and to have those people walk through our doors and impact our lives in amazing ways um, by sharing their stories of resilience, that that's what makes me go to work every day.
1: Yeah, and I feel like your former director, Ron Jackson, who said, you know, if you've met one drug user, you've met one drug user. Everyone has a different story.
2: Yeah, I'm into right.
1: that. Right? You know, everyone has a different way of doing things. And, you know, I... I think it's amazing that you're partnering with our organization and you're parking there. We also have CBC, you know, and so it's however folks want to engage their treatment that we, you know, have ability to support you. I think Uh, it's,
3: yeah, it's amazing. I remember, like, what, even, it was two years ago when we would sit around and be like, can't get anybody into treatment. There's no space. There's a waiting list. There's no room. And it was like you couldn't even... Just kind of like the housing frustrations now, trying to, you know, find housing for people. But it was the same just two years ago before we had CPC here, before, you know, you guys came here. Like, I mean, I remember being frustrated all the time about it. So we'd be like, oh, I want to get into treatment. Like, I don't, can you help me? Like, well, I'll try, you know, but it was always that there's a huge waiting list and there was just nowhere to, you know, and it was frustrating because people would want to and...
0: Well, you yes, kind of had to tell them. I can, but you've got to go yeah, this many miles this yeah. way. Yeah, and it's and it's right. going to
3: be something that you're you can't accomplish because you don't have transportation and you don't have this and you don't have that. You know, so it's just, it's it's such a completely different situation now, um, you know, than I, it was a couple of years ago. I mean,
1: as yeah. someone who was an Avrat of this community, and you know, I deeply care about mm-hmm. the Everetts coming up, and Avrats is a term. That was a derogatory term towards homeless people in this neighborhood. That the homeless people kind of took back and, you know, used it as a form of pride, um, that they have access to treatment now. I mean, I don't think like you know I know, like you guys had to do all the paperwork and all the logistics just to get up here. Mm-hmm. But I don't realize I don't think you realize the amount of effect it's going to be for another generation of drug users who like has an ability to access treatment. In their own neighborhood Mm -hmm. so you know and you know they're never going to be able to be at seven in the morning airport way if you're a street uh homeless person in the u district right but you could make it by nine to uh, a van in your neighborhood Mm -hmm. right and you know i i don't think the citizens of the u district and the citizens of the north end will can really express what a positive impact it just that van has on their lives. And, you know, and the ability to access treatment. Um, and, you know, these are going to be truly life-transformating experiences um, that we will have in the North End. Um, and, it, you know, I, I will never be able to thank Evergreen enough for wanting to partner with us. And, Really, creating this hope for another generation of drug users, Um, and you know, I, I, I look forward to hearing all of the stories years from now, um, and this idea that like when just like when I talk to drug users who talk to me about they didn't know there was a time that they didn't have needle exchange in the U District. I look forward to the time that they said they didn't know there was a time they didn't have suboxone or methadone. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. oh,
0: remember when Old Man
1: Shiloh brought in
0: that methadone? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did. But but hey, wait,
2: Shiloh's the methadone fairy. I thought that was my. Yeah, no. no, he's Old Man Shiloh. Old oh. man you're Shiloh. the methadone
0: fairy. No, but yeah, I. Are you trying to I, add like fairy man. a fairy to me? <laughs> Back to what I was going to originally say I think it, it, it circles <laughs> it circles back into what we talked about multiple times on this show mm-hmm. around like supporting your neighborhood supporting your community and and including everyone within that right, right. so bringing services that, that your neighbors <clears throat> and your community members need into it so that they can succeed so that they can become you know a, a, a normal I'm doing air quotes here, um, <laughs> so participants you know. <laughs> within, within the community, whatever that looks like, right. For them, um, yeah. for them, but mm-hmm. that it's, it's, it's that they're, they're a part of, and that they're, they're cherished and
1: they're loved. I was talking to, um, an owner of a restaurant in the neighborhood and I was telling them that the methadone clinic was going to be parking near them. And they looked at me and they said, it doesn't already exist in this neighborhood. What are you talking about, Shiloh? <laughs> I thought we had methadone clinics in every neighborhood. Like, how do you expect no. people to not get? Tr- how do you expect people to get treatment if it doesn't exist? It's like, thank you, thank you. <laughs> well, and I think that I mean that's
3: the important thing about it too. It's like you were saying earlier of people being, like, oh, you're bringing these things to the neighborhood, you know. And again, it's like people aren't going to, people are generally not going to travel from this neighborhood down to Soto, especially, like, the street kids and whatever, you know, they're not going to do that. So I think, you know, once things get up and rolling, there'll probably be some talk from some people like, oh, look at all these people. But, you know, you can just point the finger at us and be like, well, what about the syringe exchange? Like, (laughs) Because they, you know, because we already have a lot of people gathered around and we've already been going through this. So, I mean, the people are already here is what I'm pointing out here. You know, people are already in the neighborhood and it's the neighborhood people who are going to access this. And... Yeah, I think it's going to be amazing, and I'm, I'm excited to see what comes of it for sure.
1: And, and yeah. I've been there in the morning. Um, there isn't a crowd. I mean, it's very— Well,
2: no, there's not a crowd because there's not a ton of people yet. Yeah. Uh, but there there should never be a crowd because we will uh, we will base the census or the number of people utilizing that service on the amount of time we're here so that we can efficiently get people through.
3: Sure, and I'm sure people are That's just like, okay, take, take my meds and— Go do what I'm going to do now. You know, well, and that
2: that actually is a requirement of patients that that utilize that <laughs> service is they don't get to hang around, right? Um, they need to to go.
0: And so, what does that look like in terms of like what is what is your organization's role, so to speak in? Um, you know, keeping the area safe, making sure that people are doing what they're supposed to be doing, because I think that can sometimes, if you do have an active role in that, and I don't know because I don't know about your program at all, but if you do do that, um, that might help uh, ally some fears that people have around that that idea of bringing in this negative element into my neighborhood.
2: Right. So we we provide public safety with with that mobile dispensary, and so uh, we have a public safety officer that actually drives the van and then hangs out um, and kind of just walks around. Our, our public safety is amazingly good at getting to know our patients uh, on a personal level and, and really works to, to develop relationships that allow them um, to kind of know baseline and, and help people out, um, but also are very good at ushering people like it's time to, to move on. And, you know, other places that we've opened facilities, um, we tend to go in and we actually identify issues that are happening around there that have nothing to do with our patients. Mm -hmm. But all of a sudden, somebody paying attention uh, starts to notice activities that other people might not. And, And so it's had a very positive effect. Other places we've been.
0: That's great. That's uh, that yeah. should be awesome for some of the naysayers in the
2: neighborhood. Yeah. The other thing I yeah. will add is, uh, aside from kind of offering this public safety and and knowing that our, our patients are expected to to not hang around and and the rules around treatment, it, it's also important to recognize that that we know treatment is good for our communities, mm-hmm. and and we know that it saves our community's tax dollars. We know that it reduces crime. Um, so it's reduces not. Reduces death. Yes, reduces death. That, that I should have yeah. led with that. You know, <laughs> it's the village. We're mm-hmm. here together. Yes. So, I mean, those are, ex- are extremely important pieces uh, of what we offer to a community. And I think it's a piece that gets lost a lot of times because we tend to focus on the negative and And forget all the positive that comes with the fact that that somebody is showing up, maybe that maybe they're not fully healthy yet mm-hmm. um, and they're still expressing some behaviors that people don't like uh, but they're showing up and, and doing something to address it. and I think we forget that sometimes
0: and don't we all have behaviors that we express that other people don't like? <laughs> Not me. What are you talking about? Wow. (laughs) Uh, Of course. (laughs) I'm thinking of my cat. Uh (laughs) (laughs)
3: Uh-huh. Your cat. Sorry, Sorry, Colonel. Sorry, Colonel Spencer. Oh. (laughs) That's hilarious. Oh, I do. I have one question because you were mentioning earlier people who are enrolled in the 1700, I believe that's what you said, building in Soto. Yep. Can access the van up here. Um, What about people who are enrolled in the Renton program, what if somebody moved? Do they have to then enroll in the SOTO program and then enroll? Can they also access the van? Okay. That was my other question. Okay. Perfect.
2: Any of our clinics. Because we also have a clinic down in Olympia. um, And And if somebody were to move from there, they could access it too.
3: Is it? uh, I'm just curious. um, Are you all the ones? I imagine you are opening the clinic in Bremerton?
2: We are not. Ooh. Nope. Bringing dun, dun, dun. up the competition.
3: Well, I don't care who it is. I'm just glad one's <laughs> no, opening <I'm>, up there. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. The, because the people just be traveling better. out here, like, you know, six hours round trip per day to, like, get their methadone, and it's yeah. ridiculous.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So. Could you it imagine if you had to do that to get uh, your blood pressure medication or... I would your, be dead. Your insulin <laughs> or yeah. your vodka martini, super dry with a twist.
3: Again, dead. 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 <laughs> yeah. But no, yeah, I, no, I, I, I also serve the area. So I, I, that's been a, a thing for years. So I was just yeah, side note, curious about that. Okay. That's
2: a great uh, opportunity for them out there. And then there's also a new, uh, opioid treatment program opening up in Auburn. Um, really? Yeah. Ooh. So there, there know. is expansion in terms of access, which is a great thing.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and it's also like with, uh, here we, we have CPC who, mm-hmm. um, is a much more low barrier, um, Place where people are, like, a lot of times in chaos really starting at the program. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also one of those things now that we have the methadone clinic is, you know, if you wanted to be a methadone but you're just not in a place because your life is so chaotic, you could start with CPC yeah. on a spot and then switch to the methadone clinic, you know. And it would be
3: all in the same place. All in the same neighborhood,
1: yeah. all in the same stuff, you know. And people who maybe not like the methadone clinic can move over to the boxing clinic. It's about what works for people. Yeah, sure. It's not about what, you know. There's no no one here who has an agenda except no. for that we want to people to be as healthy and as thriving in life as possible. And I think you know the thing I really love about Evergreen <clears throat> and the things I really love about CBC is we really they they understand the importance to build someone's self worth and self, um, you know. And they do messaging like we love you and we do messaging like, you know, like it's not healthy to keep telling yourself that you're a bad person. No. Right. Well, Um,
3: it's like it's like, you know, it's true harm reduction across the board Yeah. because there's options wherever you are on the spectrum, uh, you know, with your like using substances like, you know, you can access needle exchange, you can access, you know, suboxone, you can access methadone. You can access mental health services. Um, you know, so these things, having all those options. I mean, it still blows my mind having all those options right now and not having any of those options. I get. You know, two years ago is just. I don't know. Imagine what could happen in the next two years. I know. Maybe we'll just decriminalize. <laughs> Probably not, though. Oh,
0: no. <laughs> well, let's wait till after the 2020 election and okay. see what happens. <laughs> not to get political or anything,
1: but and we endorse no candidates here. No,
3: absolutely not. No, we do not. I just wonder what the backlash will be. I mean, drug usage might go up.
0: <laughs> might? <laughs> it has,
3: and it probably will.
1: <laughs> um.
0: <laughs> well, yes. I just want to say thank you so much, Sean, for coming. And, and yeah. thank you for the work that you do um, and for being a champion for those that, that, that need champions. Um, and cheerleaders and people to lift them up and and help support them when they're trying to make some sort of a change. So I I thank you for the work you do and for bringing it here into the university district and also into the neighborhood over in the, the Belltown popsicle district.
3: Popsicle district. We
0: need wow. it
1: to the popsicle district i think we should I think that um, would be it's on the popsicle thumb. town now it's no longer so, bell uh, town <laughs> i have a really dumb question it, so it's a lot easier there to are no dumb questions in the, questions. Uh, in the district than it is in downtown isn't it
3: oh you have your your
2: look <laughs> on your face i'm not convinced of that is it a better but, neighborhood I, I, it's just the, a, i was talking about the parking the <laughs> future, it's just a different neighborhood I think neighborhood. all neighborhoods are equally special
0: and that is a very good answer <laughs> Thank you. Mm-hmm. Of keeping yeah. it like nice and calm and cool <laughs> in this hot studio <laughs> trying to bring out that, that
3: old like U district well you know Capitol Hill but you're trying to move it down to Belltown now I mean Popsicle hey, Town I, I
1: live Popsicle. in the greatest <laughs> state in the union I also live in the greatest city in uh, the United States I also live in the greatest neighborhood in the United States, Taquilla. So, ooh, oh, wow.
3: Taquila wow. can't even can't even tune in. Yeah. <laughs> I
1: just like saying the word taquila. I just like to say. Um, I don't think they can hear this radio station in Taquilla. I don't think so either. But it's, just, <laughs> it's fun to say
3: taquila. But they can stream it. Yeah, they you can stream it. it. There you go. Just so, so you know. If you go to www.kodxseattle.org, you can listen to all of our shows or any of the other shows that they play on this radio station. So, because it is one of the best
0: radio stations in all of the state of Washington.
3: Agree. And who wouldn't want to listen to all of these beautiful voices as many times as possible? Really, it's true. Could go to sleep to it. Sometimes I play
0: a tape of myself talking to myself when I go to sleep at night.
3: That's
0: creepy.
1: So, oh my can gosh! I get it towards the end of this show, before we go to Sassy Town, <laughs> Sassy
3: Town, um, you take down me in Popsicle to? Town,
1: Sassy Town. Yeah. Um, so, uh, what do you think? Uh, last words. What do you think some of the misconceptions of the methadone programs um, are, and what do you think? Um, give us some reality check of what methadone clinics. Do for our communities?
2: So, I think the, the misconception is one, that we're replacing one drug for another. That, mm-hmm. That's a, a huge misconception of what we do. Um, it, it goes so far past that in terms of chemistry and just what the medication is doing to, to impact the brain. Uh, and and how effective our treatment is, I think, is another misconception. Many people think the treatment is not effective, and that's just not true. Our our treatment is amazingly effective, and w- without even the the long term impact of treatment, uh, MAT medication assisted treatment reduces the risk of death by fifty percent just by providing the medication. Um, so I think that's amazingly important to remember. Uh, that just by that person taking the medication, uh, we're reducing that risk. So in terms of the importance of of treatment, um, I think people having access is important. I think more important than treatment, and, and something I want to say before I'm out of here, is that where it's important for people to have access to treatment and, and medication and all the things we've talked about, uh, it's actually more important and more effective for people... If they have community, if they have people mm-hmm. uh, who are there standing up for them, who are providing support and love and, and really advocating for them, that is the most effective treatment. And that is something that every single person can provide. So as much as I love to think what we do is incredible because it is, um, we are not as effective as just good community support. You I hear think, that?
0: I think Sean just dropped the mic in here. I yeah. Know, I mean, did you hear the, the echo and the clink? I did. I know. I, wow. I was like, I
1: truly <laughs> think that is the last word.
3: Yeah. Okay. That, I mean, that's, I don't even know how, we can't say anything I else. Mean, that's it.
1: <laughs> we bow down
0: to you, methadone fairy. Cotton candy, popsicles and all. Thank you so much. Thank um, you. Thank everybody for listening. Um, we will be back on the third Wednesday of August.
3: That's the one. Which, that,
0: that is a traditional annual
3: naked show? It is not. I think <laughs> that is incorrect. It probably <laughs> will be
0: because it will probably be very hot. It will be. But big so, in Speedo, there will be lots of those big black lines. Everyone's um, getting an early birthday out.
3: present a little personal fan. <laughs> mm-hmm. There we go. <laughs> yeah. I was just in Idaho and I had one of those at the wedding and I was like, just, shh. It's like, ugh. But it was save, like 100 degrees out. It was
0: Save like, the nudity, buy a fan. <sighs>
3: I just in the think? you know I just feel like it would get sweaty and weird and the coworker situation would be weird. I mean, you know.
0: Plus, our our, our station manager, I think he takes secret videos, so that could also come back to haunt us.
3: Weird. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no secret. All right. Fair enough. Bye, everybody. All Thank right. You for see listening. you next time.